Church, I'd like for you to join me in prayer, if you would bow your heads with me. Father, as we just sang that song, I'm reminded of the passage in the Bible that says, our momentary and light afflictions do not compare with the weight of glory that is ours in Christ Jesus. We choose right now to give momentary and light afflictions to you. Whatever those things are that are burdensome right now, that weigh heavy upon us, we give to you. And we tell you those are momentary and light in comparison to what is ours in Christ eternally. We take that to the bank today, Lord. And we thank you that that is your perspective and therefore our perspective. And we choose to live out of that. We pray this in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen. Keep your fingers in the book of James today. We're going to be in the book of James. And I'm starting a new series. I'd like to open with a story. Several years ago, pre-COVID, a routine flight took off from LAX headed to Honolulu, Hawaii. You can imagine all the people on the plane. They're excited to go to their tropical paradise. Can't wait for some vacation. Part of the way through the flight, a man asked for something simple, a blanket. Stewardess came to him and said, be happy to give that to you. She pulls that off the cart and says, that'll be $12, please. He says, $12 for the blanket? She says, sir, I don't set the policies, but it's 12 bucks for the blanket. And he said, you cannot expect to charge me $12 for a blanket when it's this cold in the cabin. I expect that for free. Sorry, sir, I don't make the policies. It's $12. You have your credit card. He won't give it up. And it just keeps going to the spot where the stewardess actually calls headquarters for Hawaiian Airlines, gets somebody on the phone with him. I don't know if they used the, back in the day, one of the ones that was you know, behind the, the headrest, you know, that he got that one, or if they brought him a phone of some kind. But anyway, he's talking to HQ, and they're trying to explain to him, this is our policy, and he says these words. I don't know about this, but I think somebody should be taken to the woodshed over that. That was enough. Plane turns around, comes back, lands in LAX to deplane one passenger, and two hours later, the plane takes off. I guess the good news is he got on another plane the next day, and I'm hoping for the sake of all the other people on the plane, it was a little bit warmer that day. I, I'm hoping. <laughs> that man did not grow, uh, get up that morning and expect that he was going to go to war over a $12 blanket. I can guarantee you the stewardess didn't get up that morning, get on the plane and say, I think the plane's probably going to turn around in midair and come back. Y you don't get up and plan those things. Oftentimes... Conflict comes out of thin air. To be human is to experience conflict. It happens all the time in our lives, or the potential for conflict happens all the time in our lives in various ways. 
and you're likely going to face some aspect of potential conflict today or tomorrow or this week. It's just on its way. And that's the human condition. It probably doesn't surprise many of you that conflict is all over the Bible. All over the Bible. Conflict, conflict, conflict. Let, let me paint the story of just a few of those just to make my point. The church is just barely formed and uh, you've got the church that's beginning to kind of take root and take off. And one of the things that the church did very early on is it cared for those that were, you know, less, less fortunate. In this case, widows were the ones that were being cared for. And they provided a food service to them. Sounds like something a church would do today. Well, in Acts chapter 6, there is the allegation that the distribution of food is not being done. I've got a little picture for you to see here uh, of the food distribution in Acts 6. There they are, snapshot from days of past. And there they are with the struggle of, again, the widows saying there's an inequality in the distribution of food because some ethnic groups are not getting fed as well as others or as properly as others. And guess what? That's where the deacons actually form in the book of Acts to take care of that in an equitable way. Conflict right there. The Bible goes on. There's a little bit later, one of the greatest meltdowns relationally in the scriptures is between two guys we know and love, Paul and Barnabas. Here's another snapshot of them, a little different uh, photographer who got that one. And Here's the problem. They go on their first missionary journey. You know, they're trusting God the whole time for this. And they decide to take along the young John Mark. He's a young believer. You know, he's, he's young himself, probably in his teens or maybe early 20s. They take him on the first missionary journey. And guess what? He tubes out. He goes home. We, we're not completely sure why. Was he homesick? Did the food not agree with him? Did he literally get sick sick? We don't know. But he goes home and he leaves them on the first missionary journey. And so in the next missionary journey, Barnabas says, hey, let's take John Mark back with us. And Paul says, no way, Jose. And it gets to such a relational pitch or a disagreement that Paul and Barnabas split up. They cannot agree on whether John Mark should come and they split up and go different ways. And so again, the Bible paints it as, again, a relational conflict that ended up well because two different missionary groups went out. But nevertheless, it's there for us to see that that is a conflict that's real and was not easily overcome. This is one piece of the Bible that I wouldn't want to be in. It's Philippians chapter 4, verse 2. I have it up here on the screen for us. Now I appeal to Judea and Syntyche. Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. What would it be like to be Judea and Syntyche and read that letter from Paul to your church? There it is in black and white for all, for, for all the generations to see. Judea and Syntyche, I think we're going to be in heaven. We're going to kind of meet Judea and Syntyche. It's going to be like, I think I've heard a story about you, haven't I? I mean, that's going to be a little awkward, right? But there it is, and it's just a reminder to us that the Bible is filled with conflict because our lives are filled with conflict. You're going to experience that at home. You're going to experience that at work. You're going to experience that even at church. Yeah, 
Church, where everybody is constantly supposed to get along, is a place that can foster all kinds of conflict. Over what kinds of issues? Pastor, what, what could bring us to the spot where we'd have any conflict here? Well, let me list a few of them. Vision, leadership, responsibilities, finance. Yeah, politics, worship styles, staffing, children's education, building issues. I could go on. There's raw materials there to create all kinds of conflict Because again, we're human. That's something that is just part of the human condition is that we will have disagreements over those kinds of things. Here's the other thing about the church, I think specifically, is oftentimes we deny conflict. We're kind of expert at that actually. And we pretend that there really is no conflict there even when, you know, hey, there's a dumpster fire over there. No, no, it's not. It's really really not that bad. And so we pretend that conflict is not that big a deal. And in fact, I think at times we may even feel as though conflict is somehow sinful in and of itself. And so we want to deny that that is existing at all. Denise and I remember the story. John was a freshman in high school. And it came to the end of the year, and you know what happens at the end of the year. Yearbooks come out. And so the yearbooks came out, and uh, the kids had them, and uh, Megan brought hers home, and we thumbed through it. Oh, look at the pictures, and look at all the things. And where are you, you know, and all that. We said to John, where, where, where's your uh, yearbook? And he says, oh, yeah, I left it at school. Oh, all right, well, bring it home when you're ready. So, you know, next two days or so, uh, hey, where's that yearbook? Ah, oh, yeah, I left it at my friend's house. And we're like, hmm, that sounds a little strange. Comes home again, like, where's the yearbook? And he says, um, it's private. <laughs> really? Then he said, uh, we, we kind of like to take a look at it. No, mom, it's private. It's my yearbook. I, I want to I keep it. And so he hid it. And Denise said, when he was away one day, I am going to go on a sleuthing mission, and I'm going to find that yearbook. She tore his room up. And do you know, she could not find that thing. It was a whole year later that she found it in a downstairs closet all the way at the back, a closet we never go in. She says, here's that yearbook, you know. Well, come to find out, what was it that was so problematic with the yearbook? Well, there was a friend of John's who had written a cuss word in the little note that he'd put to him. And in John's freshman mind, he felt like I'm going to potentially get in trouble over my friend writing a cuss word in my yearbook, or my friend's going to get in trouble with mom and dad for writing a cuss word in the yearbook. Now, I guarantee you, none of that would have happened, but in his mind, that's what is going on, and he's saying to himself, it's easier to just deny that. It's easier to pretend it doesn't exist than to engage it. And many times, that's exactly what happens with us. Here's the other thing about conflict that's so interesting. It's so common to us, and yet we receive so little training or help with it. I didn't have parents that sat down with me and ever said, hey, conflict's going to happen in our lives. Let's talk about some ways that we cope with that. I went through a lot of training in 
both college as well as seminary, and I do not remember a single class that I had in which it said, this is the way we deal with conflict. Maybe some of you have been fortunate enough to have some some training in that in some way, but for the most part, we don't really deal with that and we don't really talk about that. We all are going to experience conflict. The real question is, how do we deal with that? And that's why I have a three-week series right towards the tail end of summer, and typically this time right towards the tail end of summer, I try to put in some kind of a relational or social issue that I think will really help us all, and this is just very pragmatic, and so resolving conflict is what we're going to talk about for the next three weeks, this week and two more, and we really want to learn how to handle this topic with some grace and some truth. And we want to understand conflict, and well, today we're going to understand what conflict is and how it gets started. Next week, we're going to talk about some of the strategies that we use when conflict occurs, two of them kind of bad for us, and one that's actually very beneficial to us. And then in three weeks, we're going to talk about that time where you may actually need to go to a friend or go to a brother or go to somebody with whom you've had a conflict with, and you need to move towards some sort of resolution or reconciliation. So we're going to have some steps that we take, and today we're starting off with a very basic step of attempting just to understand what conflict is. Now, I will tell you that I am basing the material today upon a book by Ken Sandy called Resolving Everyday Conflict, and this is the material that I actually taught in Cuba three different times. Why? Did I just decide to run to Cuba and do this? No. The Cuban church asked, Pastor, if you come or when you come, we would love for you to talk about conflict because the Cuban church was smart enough to know that happens all over the place and we need some tools and some help to be able to deal with that. Denise and I have been to Cuba three times. Each time I've taught this material to a different group of church leaders. This is the last group of church leaders that uh, uh, I taught resolving everyday conflict with. And you can see them there. They actually have theirs in Spanish. And the book is out of print, actually, in Spanish. So we made the little copies for them that are in those little spiral binders. But they engaged it. They got into it. And uh, they grew from it and are still using the principles that they learned from that day still forward today. Today, you're going to be receiving, uh, over the next three weeks, I should say, the Cliff Notes version of Resolving Conflict. Because I normally take, in, 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 in Cuba, I took 10 hours to teach the material you're going to get in about 90 minutes. So, you know, get your, get your head down. We're going to have to go. I've got the book available, Resolving Everyday Conflict, by Ken Sandy. Uh, it is normally $10 on Amazon. I'm giving it to you for 5 Here's some copies of that towards the end of service. Let me tell you, I've handed out the Bible as the single most important book I've ever handed out and more copies of the Bible than anything else. But the number two book that I've ever handed out to people and that I would say should be on the shelf of all Christians and for sure all Christian leaders is Resolving Everyday Conflict. It's a page-turner with the density of what's there and just the applicability of what you're going to find. So again, at the end of the service, I'm hoping that you use this as additional material for what I'm going to be covering today. All right, as we talk about resolving everyday conflict, I need to tell you there's a couple of kinds of conflict I'm not going to be dealing with. I'm not going to be dealing, for instance, with international conflict. I will not be talking today about how to resolve the war between the Ukraine and Russia. 
That, that, that's a totally different ballpark. It's bigger, it's broader. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking today about politics and how re, to resolve the conflict that's inherent within politics. That's not on my topic. What's, on, what's, what's the scope then of what we're gonna cover today? It's the garden variety kind of conflict. It's the conflict that you're gonna experience with your spouse. It's the conflict you're gonna experience with your kids. It's the conflict you're gonna experience with a coworker. It's the conflict you're gonna experience in some form of a group or committee at church. The garden variety of conflict is the kind that I wanna cover today. And I wanna begin by talking about the garden variety of conflict and what it is. Let's define conflict. Conflict, here it is, I'm gonna put it on the screen behind me, is a difference of opinion or purpose that frustrates somebody's goals or desires. So I know that I have a goal or purpose or I have some desire or opinion. It comes into contrast with yours and now that's the beginning of some sort of conflict. Here's the generic way to put that if you give me the next slide. Conflict happens when you don't get what you want. It's that simple. Conflict happens when you don't get what you want. And in fact, I think that's exactly what the book of James says. James chapter 4, one of the most important verses that we would have dealing with conflict. Here it is. It's the next slide. James chapter 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you can't get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And so James is telling us there, we know where conflict comes from. It's these desires that bubble up on the inside of us. And therefore, we have quarrels and fights over what we don't get. And he says, again, it's because you're not asking God for that. And it, the, the point he's giving to us here is we know that that's on the inside of what's going on. There's other parts of the Bible that tell us, therefore, what do you do when that happens? And that's what we're going to be covering today and in the coming weeks. Conflict happens when our self-will cooperates with messages like this. Well, I can have whatever I want. In fact, I should have whatever I want. And so on the inside of us, there's these passions that begin to inflame us. It's part of every life, it's part of every ministry that the potential for conflict is there. And so what principles can we learn that help us deal with conflict when it inevitably comes our way? I will tell you right away that we're going to be applying the gospel message, the gospel of hope, the gospel of forgiveness, the gospel of patience, the, go the gospel of forbearance. All of the things that the gospel empowers us to be is what is going to be brought to bear when we are experiencing conflict. And that's the best gift God could have ever given to us is our ability to handle conflict in a way that honors our brother and honors God in the process. Well, we have a definition of conflict. It's not getting what I want. And so let's talk a little bit about some of the common ways that conflict emerges in our lives. In other words, what are some of the things that precipitate conflict among us? There's four things I want to cover here briefly about uh, what emerges or what causes or precipitates conflict. The very first one is a God-given diversity. You see, we're all different we have different opinions, different desires, different perspectives, different priorities, different preferences. 
And when all of those are existing and all those differences are happening and they're happening in a healthy way, that can actually promote dialogue and creativity and even change. And so those God-given diversities are a very good thing. See, here's the point. God calls for unity in the church, but not uniformity. Unity in the church is unity when we're of one mind, one heart, one purpose, one desire to serve the Lord. That's a good thing. The Bible calls for that. But the Bible doesn't call for uniformity. Uniformity means we're clones of each other. Everybody looks the same, thinks the same, acts the same. And sometimes when we're in the midst of conflict, that's what we really want is you just to come my way. Think like I do. Some of you know this about me. I'm going to be a little vulnerable here and tell you something about me. I'm not a mayonnaise guy. I know for some of you, you're like, oh, we've known that for a long time. Ever since I have been little, I'm just not a mayonnaise guy. I, you know, I, I know people love their potato salad with mayonnaise in it. They love their tuna fish sandwiches with mayonnaise in it. You know, not my, not my deal, not my jam. Now, does that make people who love mayonnaise bad or wrong? Well, maybe. No, 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 no. Here's my point in saying that. Diversity's okay. I, I've got a pretty wide palate. I like a lot of foods, but that's one I don't like. And we can have all kinds of unity still without that form of uniformity. That diversity is okay. But many times, the God-given diversity in the church is the first part of what can cause a lot of conflict. Here's another one, simple misunderstandings. Nobody speaks or communicates perfectly. It never happens. And you might think at times that you have communicated perfectly to somebody else and they don't get it. Or they might think they've communicated personally and perfectly to you and you don't get it. And so there's misunderstandings that happen. Our flesh can run real quickly to assume things that aren't true or to judge people for what is perhaps a misunderstanding all along. Let me give you an example. Denise and I had some neighbors that moved uh, behind us not long ago, actually a few years ago, and we noticed that uh, they didn't have any children. They have a little girl now, but they didn't have any children at the time. They moved in, a young couple, and every night we noticed their, their, kind of their, their living room was over here, but there was a, a bedroom or something that was uh, 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 maybe a TV room or something that was here. And we noticed that every night there was a black light on and there were plants there. There were plants that were growing on ledges and on tables. And Denise and I were like, black light? I mean, what is going on with that? And you know, they happened night after night after night. I said, there's one solution to this. They're growing pot. I mean, you kidding me? They're growing pot over, over in the house, you know? And I can't remember if it was legal in our state yet or not, but anyway, that's a whole nother story. I was like, they're growing pot. Well, we decide we're gonna invite this couple over. We're gonna get to know them. And so we invite them over for dessert one night or dinner. I can't remember which, but they came over. And, you know, we're just talking along and, you know, we're just kind of getting to know each other pretty well. And we said, you know, so, you know, what are some things you like to do? Well, I like, I like to actually grow things. And we're like, oh, you know, here it is. <laughs> Here it is. Do they know we're a pastor yet? I, you know, I don't know, because that could get awkward. And, and we said, well, you know, what do you like to grow? 
I love to grow hot red peppers. And there it was. It's like, this guy grows peppers. He says, yeah, I grow them indoors because they have enough heat and I can, you know, control the temperature and everything. I am an expert when it comes to red hot peppers. I love them from all over the world and that's what I grow in my house. How wrong had I been? How easy was it to just jump to that conclusion and have a gigantic misunderstanding over something as simple as black lights that were on at night? It's so easy to let simple misunderstandings move towards conflict. Third is our flesh. Our sinful attitudes, our desires that lead to words and actions oftentimes They're self-motivated and self-centered. They're sinful things, and they can trigger conflict. And you, you don't really know how much power is really in your words, your ability to judge and name call, and your sinful desires and mine can make a big mess of things in a hurry. And there's one more. Spiritual warfare. I probably should have started with this. Because we have an enemy, and that enemy wants to destroy, he wants to divide, he wants to scatter, he wants to create problems in the church, and he is constantly fomenting those kinds of things. That's why, again, Paul, Ephesians chapter 6, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Don't get hung up there. Our battle is with powers and principalities and heavenly realms And so spiritual warfare is real and it's constantly trying to divide. That's what Satan's strategy and ploy is. Amidst all of these natural challenges, God has given us the power to peacefully deal with each other. And in fact, here's the the strange thing, to actually grow through conflict. Conflict can actually be something that God uses to grow us. In fact, this is what I want you to hear. Conflict handled well can glorify God and develop people. So it's not something that we shy away from. It's something that we move into, again, with his power and his grace. But we do that because if it's handled well, it actually has the ability to grow us. And we're gonna really get into that in the coming weeks. For us to appreciate the nature of conflict, we not only have to understand what it is, I don't get what I want at its base level. Some of the ways that it emerges from us, those are the four things we just covered. But we also have to understand how it takes off, how it begins to overtake us. And it usually doesn't happen until we have conflict that's occurred and we sit on it a while and we think about it for a while and we feel the hurt of the words or the hurt of the actions. And when it's kind of been perking with us for a while is when it usually can take off and grow in even bigger ways. And oftentimes, again, it's left unaddressed. We just feel the depth of the hurt of that. The book, and I want to tell you today that it grows, conflict grows through three stages. Starts with a spark, then it has some gasoline, and it results in a gigantic fire. So that's the order, spark, gasoline, fire. Let me cover each one of those. First, it starts with a spark, wanting different things. 
And, you know, again, we're back to the diversity again. We can all want some different things, but that can be the starting of the spark. You want to rest, I want to, you know, go out and play. You want vanilla, I want chocolate. You want to save, I want to spend. All those differences can be what starts the process of a spark. I'm going to tell you a story here and kind of carry it over all three aspects of the growth of conflict. And the story comes from Greece, something happening today, right now in Greece. And I have a photograph here of Greece on a beautiful uh, sands of an island and a Greek island. And what's happening here is people are rushing there again to get their sun fix from all over the world, as well as some Greeks there too. And what happened was the Greek government is in a little bit of a financial crisis, so they're trying to make some money. So they actually leased part of the sand to hotels that could put out these little stands and cabanas and then rent them out to tourists for $100 a day. Now here's where the spark starts. There are some Greeks that, you know, have been to the beaches for a long time and they start going to the beaches and finding out there's not any free space there's not a space available for them to just put down their towel and enjoy the sun on the beach for the day. And so that is the spark of the whole conflict. It's the beginnings of it. The hotel owners and the hotel staff want one thing, and those that are coming to look for some free beach space want something else. So what's stage two? Stage two is the gasoline. Our selfishness and our pride drives our reactions. Here's what happens when gasoline is put on the spark. Usually we entrench in ways and we're like, you know what, I'm just right and she's an idiot. That's what's usually happening on the inside of us is we're like, you know, I just see this entirely from my own perspective. Back to my example again of the gasoline that's put upon the spark. The locals got angry with the hotels because they called them profit mongers. They got angry even with the guests and the hotel staff. The hotels dug in their heels and said, hey, we paid the government for this, and I know we might have encroached a little bit more, but we paid the government for this, and we're in the right to put up our cabanas. When the gas is poured on the spark, there's little willingness to understand or negotiate. It just becomes an aspect of winning. And unless we deal with that quickly, it will result in a fire And that's the third phase of the growth of conflict is a fire. We fail to respond properly and we allow our sinful actions to continue dealing with our words and our actions that causes ultimately destruction. We say things, we do things that bring destruction. And this is almost 100% of the time, what you'll notice is that there is a destruction of relationship. Relationship is what suffers when conflict is left unaddressed and it grows into a fire. There's some aspect of relationship that is destroyed in the process. Would you listen to what James chapter three says? James chapter three, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. And he's saying that little that little muscle in your mouth is something that has the ability to spread massive fire and destruction 
at the stage in which fire is occurring, usually the tongue is involved and it's causing destruction and it's causing damage with the people that are in its path. Back to our story again of Greece. In Greece, it turned ugly because it was not just resolved peaceably. It ends up uh, resulting in the next picture that I have, demonstrations. So people run out with the signs and they're wanting to uh, be a part of the group called Save the Beaches. And so here they are out on the beaches uh, uh, confronting all the guests and the residents with their desire for free beach space. And in fact, the media picks it up and, and, and they're, you know, they're calling them the, uh, f- the free beachers and so they're wanting the free beach space and so that's getting picked up in the, uh, the story of the newspaper. And all of this is resulting in bad blood. All of it's resulting in the, the restaurants and the hotels that are angry with the protesters and, and the, 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 uh, the, the people that are just there on tourism vacation. They're caught in the middle of that. They want no part of that. And so it just devolves into this chaotic mess. Now imagine if that could have been handled differently at the point at which the spark occurred. Imagine if maybe, peaceably, the hotel owners had been approached and said, hey, we're just trying to find some free beach space. And imagine if those hotel owners would have said, you know what, hey, we only paid the government for this portion, and there really is merit in having some free beach space available. Let's make sure that happens. But that's not where it ends. And in fact, I think it's still being litigated today. That's where it's obviously going to end at times too. It's being litigated. And the conflict has gotten very huge, very large, very grand. As we come to a close today, I want you to see how prevalent conflict really is. And how if left unaddressed, it grows once it arrives Next week, we're going to be covering some of the common ways that we deal with conflict. So we've warmed up and kind of gotten to the the, the framework together today, and we'll begin to deal with that next week. But for today, let's remember something, and I want you to remember the gospel, because this is the gospel message. The gospel message is we had a gigantic conflict with God. In fact, we told God, I want no part of you. I don't care about your law. I don't care about your ways. I don't care what you think. And we went the other way to pursue what we wanted. Even though we spit in God's face, he continued to love. And he broke through all of our rebellion with his son Jesus, who was ready to forgive, but also do even more to actually change You see, God is a peacemaker. And he has come to establish peace with us where there was once animosity. And to be a peacemaker, truly in your own life, you have to have first experienced peace with God. So I'm wondering if that's you today. Have you said, yes, I want peace with you, God. Once I thought, You were out to lunch. You could take a hike. But I don't think that anymore because you've broken through some of those barriers that I had up and you've forgiven all of the things that I've thought or done and you're wishing to put me on a new path with your son, Jesus. You can't become a true peacemaker until you have peace that has flooded into your life 
from our Lord. Here's what I want you to hear. Conflict is common, but peacemaking is God's plan through Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we acknowledge today something that is part and parcel of the human experience. We are individuals that are going to experience conflict. That's not surprising to you. In fact, you've done something about that. You have come in order to give us peace, peace with your son Jesus. And you wish for conflict to be handled in a healthy way within your body as really a testimony to the world that we are people that don't have to remain angry with each other, but there can be restoration just like there was with you. Lord, we acknowledge that today and we ask in coming weeks that you're going to continue to plow up our hearts that we might be people that are better able to provide peace in situations where it's hard. Rest upon us today towards that end, Lord. We give you our lives, we give you our hearts and ask you, conform those to the image of Jesus, your son. And it's in his name we pray, amen.